Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? They're there. There, talk to them. Good. Can I? Yeah. I would love you to. Can I really? You know how I feel. Can I swear? I'm, I'm, absolutely. Ask your friends over here. All right. Fuck you. The rogue of wrestling, Michael Newman. Common problem for WWE superstars. Like, they never know how to react to the lights going off. Like, Undertaker made a career out of that. And the New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan. Why did no one who feuded with The Undertaker over all these years just bring a flashlight down to the room? <laughs> You're listening to the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. Can you imagine that, like, <laughs> shielding his eyes, like, hissing as he runs away or something? <laughs> like, some goth kid. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting edition of the Super Smart Brothers Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am your New Jersey kid, Joe Sheehan, alongside my tag team partner, the rogue of wrestling, Mr. Michael Newman. How you doing this week, Newman? I'm seven stars excited, Joe. Are we just going to keep keep pushing the star limit? Or, as I'm... we were discussing a little bit before mm-hmm. when we started recording, th- this is it. I think for now, for a while, this is going to be it. At least based on Meltzer's comments, right? Yeah, which I hadn't heard. You, you had to inform me of that. Yeah, so his the impression coming out of this from what he was saying was that, uh, of course, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about Omega Okada 4. And I mean, if you don't know what you're talking about, stop listening to this podcast. Yeah, and for, go go watch the match, because we are mm-hmm. going to spoil the fuck out of it. So go mm-hmm. watch the match. This is the main event from Dominion Otosaka Joe Hall uh, for the IWGP heavyweight title match. Two out of three falls, no time limit. Dave Meltzer gave this match seven stars. And he had said that while he was watching this, he felt that not only is this the best match that he's ever seen, but he feels that this very well may be the best match that he will ever see. Which is fair, right? Yeah, I mean, at some point, you've probably got to have that feeling. Yeah, uh, and you also have to think about, like, what went into this match. Like, this is years in the making. Yeah, like, this is like, this is two incredible fucking talents. This is years of fucking building in this story. Like, like what was... Just, just to give this some perspective, what was the last, like, blow-away blow match that you've seen from WWE? You know what? I, the two that come to mind immediately when I, you asked me that was yeah. um, Dan, the Daniel Bryan made event, but that's still not even on the same level. The one that's really going to be almost in the same caliber as this would be Bailey Sasha in NXT Brooklyn 1. Is that the... Uh, when when Bailey won the title, the first match. The first match, okay. Not because yeah. the second match was the uh, Iron, Iron Woman yeah. match. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. was definitely good too, but like the first one, that's the one that always in my heart is like, damn, that was a fucking good match. Yes. Okay, so to give this context, that was a couple months build match. Like, NXT has never really, like, their year-long or so storyline has been Gargano and Ciampa, but that's only because of Ciampa's injury. So, mm-hmm. really, in, in the context of current-day wrestling, well, you know this to, is... To give credit to Bailey and Sasha, I'd give that a little bit more time, just because, like, the time that they had friends and, like, the competitive rivalry was, like, part of that rivalry. You know what I mean? But I, I still don't think it was a year, was it? I don't know. Maybe I'd give it, like, a year. But anyway, your maybe. point is still made. Like, it's still Okada and Omega is still longer, more well thought out. Four or three years, right? Like, two, two, three years. Well, yeah. like two, because it's all within Okada's title reign. 
So, yeah, yeah, like two years. So I, I mean, just to give you to add to the point, I felt like it was longer because it has felt like I don't know. It felt like it feels like in my lifetime, there's only ever been Okada Omega, I guess. Um, so yeah, like when you have that two year build and it's been so involved and so spread out, like not compact with like they haven't fought each other each and every pay per view in this whole time, like it's been spaced out. So, well, that's one that's, thing that's, it, that yeah, that's nice that like when you actually do a little bit more long term booking like this, right? Like actual long term, not yeah. like long term booking. Instead of like, um, match every month for a year. Not that kind yeah. of long term booking. Like long term booking of okay, they're gonna separate apart and then they're gonna come back together. Separate apart, come back. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder. Like, I don't even know how much we could really figure this out. But like, whatever. Let's wildly speculate. When uh-huh. do you think they made the decision for Omega to be the guy to dethrone Okada? I would say it was probably about a year ago. Like, maybe after, like, the second of these matches or something? Like, I would say it was probably after his... Because he won the G1 last year, right? Um, Let's see. Or is that two Na- years? Naito won last year, and then Omega won the year before that. So I'm saying then. Yeah. That's when, like, to have a... Well, because then a- him winning the G1 there was then when he had his first match against Okada after that, because that was his G1 cash-in. Yes. So, so, to be he, the first mm-hmm. Gaijin to to win the G one, I think that's when they were like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I don't think they I don't think they knew of June of twenty eighteen. We're gonna give right. him the championship. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that specific, but I think they knew we're gonna put the title on him. Right. So then let's build a story of like, all right, well, like he's he's gonna eventually dethrone him, but not yet. So and then like we had the first time where he challenges him and he loses, and they build up again because then the second time they fought, he drew. And I'm sure some politics played a role in that, right? Like, there was a point at which there was questions of Omega staying with New Japan. Yeah, that's part of it too, right? Because, like, that's, that's the other benefit of, like, doing these longer-term storylines is you can, like, shift around and see how things are going to go sometimes. Yeah. And build with them so, a like, little bit more organically. So, like, if this storyline ended halfway, it still would have been a good storyline, but it's because that's the cards that were dealt at the time. Like, Omega might have gone to WWE, like... Mm-hmm. Or wherever, so. Right. And it's it's very interesting, too, because it's like you still have to always contemplate that because you never fucking know who's going to go where. But, like, when you do really sit and think about, like, who is who, like, Omega definitely seems like one of those guys that, like, it would have to take everything for WWE to be able to get him. Like, they would have to – I don't even know how much they have to pay him. Because, like, he seems yeah. to me well, like the kind definitely. of guy that he would be like, I don't care what fucking check you send me. I'm not going. Like, I'm making shitloads of money now, in New Japan, and I would infinitely rather always stay here because I'm doing what I love. I would definitely say that about now, though. I think mm-hmm. a year or two ago, you probably could have thought of, okay, he's starting his push in New Japan. And, I mean, it took a lot of work in New Japan for him to get this push, right? Like, he mm-hmm. really had to prove himself. So, I mean, there had to have been that thought at some point in his mind of, is this really worth it? Like, so... Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's there's the other mindset of New Japan going. Is this guy going to stick with us? And so, mm-hmm. I think probably about a year ago is when they said, "Okay, we see it in him, and mm-hmm. we have that trust now." And so, like by this time, I think that's when they probably said, "Yeah, we're going to put the title on him." So, yeah, yeah, you know, what? I think you're right. I would agree. 
but it's, it's so fucking interesting just to even look at the whole the whole thing in its totality because this is just like a giant fucking movie of a few like i was i think i said to you this a little bit on the before we were recording but it would be amazing at some point if somebody compiled and put together all of their matches and the the feud build in between just into like one giant compilation I would love that. One of my favorite DVDs I ever purchased, and actually I'm staring at the sticky note right now, is um, <clears throat> I got the Seven Levels of Hate DVD with mm-hmm. Adam Pearce and Colt Cabana over their seven matches for the NWA title. And it is one of the best, because seven matches, I think it was over a year, year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all you see all of the matches. You have the both of them. You have the bookers. You have everyone talking about like how it worked out the way it did. Mm-hmm. And I have the, the Adam Pierce when I bought the DVD sent a sticky note saying like thanks on it. And I still have it hanging above my computer, <laughs> which is what reminded me of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I would love something like that. I would totally buy that. Yeah, that'd be fucking amazing. Of just like. Okada and Omega, like, have them, like, watch the matches, talk about their feelings at the time, and, like, go mm-hmm. through now. And I know, like, maybe they have something like that right now. Maybe they knew that they were going to do something, and so after each match, they did do some kind of interviews or something like that, hopefully. Yeah, I was, if I not, hope, I still I think they are. <laughs> if not, a, a retrospective thing might still mm-hmm. be good, so. Yeah, totally. That would still be very interesting to watch. But, yeah, that'd be, like, an amazing documentary series, uh, like, epic movie series to watch because it'd be like it it'd be akin to like watching lord of the rings or watching the rocky movies like it's like we're gonna watch this big epic because that's you know what that's really what it felt like the rocky movie that's what this whole match felt like to me this whole giant like uh 66 minute i think it was what it was timed out to be 66 minute match yeah three rounds of just fucking solid action and ass kicking and it felt like japanese rocky Mm mm-hmm like it, it told such I, a fucking did, amazing story, even just in of itself. Like you could show somebody just this match you without the rest. The falls too, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. You making it interesting is yeah. what saved my ass. <laughs> damn it! Because damn my interestingness. They um, they switched so many fucking belts on this show. I was so surprised. Yeah. Well, I mean, Jericho was. Well, I mean, Jericho was a big surprise. Uh, I did not think the Young Bucks were gonna win. Like. <laughs> At all. Because they just entered the fucking heavyweight division. Like, I thought they were going to bounce around a little bit, but like, boom. So yeah, that was a big surprise. Yeah, it was a crazy show, but... Yeah, what what was your thoughts um, overall on like, this match in of itself? The two out of three falls match? I, I think you, you just nailed what uh, my biggest takeaway of the match was. You can watch this match and completely understand the feud. This match basically played out the feud in a match. Yeah, it played out the feud. And, like, it told a great story in of itself, too. Like, it was reflective of their feud in general, and it was just a really great story by itself. Of, like, you know, you come in and... Overall... The commentary did a really great job, actually, too, in this match. I got to hand it to him. Oh, yeah. I love Cyrus and uh, Kevin Kelly. You know, just, like, explaining how, like... Because, you know, maybe somebody who isn't super savvy in wrestling and different things like that, they might not know as well that, like, when Okada got him that first time with the cradle, that, like, that was a really fucking big deal. It was like, oh, holy shit, he just lost the first fall on a cradle. Although, even then, like, I feel like 
the physical storytelling up to that point, you'd probably be able to tell that that was a big deal. Because they both hit each other with yeah. much bigger moves than that already. So mm-hmm. to see him lose to something like that, but even, like, oh shit. Even telling the story, though, of like, anytime he hit the one-winged angel, mm-hmm. like, there was basically a pin. Except for, I think, like, Okada made it to the ropes once, but still didn't, he didn't kick out of it. That was the big thing. Yeah, he still never kicked out of the one-winged angel, so that's a big deal. You know what, I wonder if they're gonna, yeah, like, I, I assume that would be gonna have to be, like, a big thing going into the, the rematch when they eventually do this as well, is that he's gotta be focused on the fact that he can't kick out of that finishing move, so he's gotta do everything possible to not get hit by the one-winged angel. Because that's yeah. just, like, the end. But, yeah, like, this was, and oh my god, like, one of the other great spots I gotta say and hand it to it, just, like, amazing spot, was when Okada went for the fucking Rainmaker, and he was so gassed out that it just had nothing to it. So Omega wasn't even knocked down, but Okada just fell to the ground. Mm-hmm. That was an insane spot. And, like, what a perfect opposite mirror spot of, like, that original one where, like, I'm trying to remember which match it was in. I can't remember whether it was the first or the second, but when Okada was going for a Rainmaker and Omega was just so out of it that he fell, and that was what countered it, was him just falling. I and think that was the second one, because that was the one... I think it was the one where they went really long, right? Yeah, for the hour draw. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. yeah, so that probably was the second match. Holy shit. Yeah, like, that was... That was fucking amazing. Like, this whole match, and the fact that... Yeah, because, like, alright, so... The other reason I thought it was imperfect perfectly genius that like he lost to a roll-up as that first fall was then it basically made you feel like every single piece of okada's offense could be the end of the match Mm -hmm. right because omega lost a fall to a roll-up so like what move couldn't he potentially lose the second fall to yeah you weren't just looking for finishing moves it was Mm -hmm. oh maybe like a ddt is gonna get a fall like right and that especially makes you think like oh well then if he hits a rainmaker then that's it and then, like, when Omega, uh-huh. or Omega gets the second fall with the one-winged angel, you think, like, oh, shit, well, all right, he got the one fall with the one-winged angel, so he's probably not going to get a second fall with it. Like, you know, it makes you think with symmetry that Okada would probably win. And then get the uh, uh, the Rainmaker. Like, if they, were, if they were booking it from, like, WWE, right, then that's how they would do it. Because <laughs> it's always, yes. like, even Steven-y. Um but yeah, no, and then Omega would fucking hit him with an, two more one-winged angels, because he hit him with one that I think put him into the ropes, and then yes. there was the final sequence. Had to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And then he hit the last one for the fucking win. Like, it was fucking insane. And then, like, on top of that, too, like, so the match was insane, and then they bring out the fucking belt, and then the storytelling there, too, where he pushes away the belt first to hug the Young Bucks and Ibushi, like, that's more important than the belt. That was great. Yeah. What did you think of all that, like all that storytelling, and then with Cody coming out as well? Yeah, I mean, I think he had to do that, right? Because all of these components have played into this build-up. Like, mm-hmm. it would have been a letdown if you, he didn't acknowledge those guys or anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, all right. So this is the other thing that's fucking insane. I was just thinking about this. Is like, so Omega, his story, right? Is it like, so he's finally gotten the IWGP title and he's challenged for it on multiple occasions against okada and before he was the top of the world he was the bullet club leader 
all this shit, and that wasn't enough to get it done. But finally, when he kind of, like, let that go by the wayside and reconnected with Ibushi and, like, let him be himself again, that's when he was finally able to win, was, like, when he, like, embraced himself and was able to, like, be with his lovers and kind of, like, be with his friends, right? Like, basically, like, friendship is the thing that helped him win. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, the most little kid type of, like, hopeful type story, right? It's like, yeah, like, in the end, friendship helped me win! Like, it's... That's the story arc, but it's inside this thing for adults. But people fucking feel amazing, because it's, like, genuinely told. But then, oppositely, WWE, that claims itself to be a product for kids, and their story arcs are, I am mad at person. Smash, smash, smash! I win! Like, that's their Cena story wins, arcs. LOL. Yeah, Cena wins, LOL. <laughs> like, it's so weird how, like, they don't even understand how it was like, man, they did, they did PG better than you did. As far as, like, a PG-type story. Yeah, it wasn't even blood or anything, right? I don't think so. Yeah, there maybe a little? Like, not that I can even remember, so... Right? If there like, was any, the... barely any. Exactly. If neither of us can even remember it, it must not have been... That memorable. Yeah, because I was trying to remember, like, I remember Kenny being bloody, but then I was like, oh, yeah, that was the Jericho match. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was... That was very yeah. bloody. That was very bloody. Jericho likes the blood, which mm-hmm. I like. Like, he's got that very cool, unique sort of, like, gimmick now in New Japan. Like, he's this weird, like, crazy old man, uh, evil clown. I think he's just... I think. New Japan for Jericho is just, like, him living out what he wants to do in WWE. Like, he's like, hmm, I need to get this out of my system. I'll go over to New Japan. Well, you know what, Joe? I don't think that there's any accident in the correlation between the amount of fucking amazing wrestling and character acting that goes on and the higher level of creative freedom given to these guys in New Japan. That's true. Like... I think they're, like, almost directly correlated, man. Especially, too, because, like, one of the other things I heard, rumor-wise, was, like, do you remember the really awesome video package that uh, aired right before Kenny came out? Before the match, uh, for his match against Okada? Where it basically summed up his whole thing of, like, the trilogy of matches and his, like, split identity and then going into the Bullet Club and then having to, like, discard all that and reconnecting with Ibushi. And he asked him, like, are you finally ready? Yes. What did it cost? Everything. Like, that whole thing? I don't think I saw that. Oh, shit. That's a really fucking excellent video pack. And, like, Kenny Omega re- reportedly basically just, like, produced that all on his own. And basically like, gave it to New Japan. was like, hey, can we run this? Yep. Nice. Awesome. And, like, stuff like Marty Skrull's entrance is, like, stuff that, like, apparently he's gone off and, like, done on his own. And then just like, hey, like, can we play this? Yeah. Looks great. It, like, it just, it creates such a different level of performer. Like, where they're understanding their character, so then they're coming up with storylines, they know how to naturally react to things that are going on. Like, it's just a different level than the fucking scripted people who just know, it's like, here here are your lines. I just have to say this line, and... Right. Yeah, it's just, it's totally fucking different. Yeah. But then, like, it, it kind of makes uh, a lot of, like... Have you heard a lot of like Drew Com- or Drew McIntyre's sort of like uh, 
commentary on the current raw locker room and stuff. About how yeah, long I listened to like... that podcast with uh, Jr. Oh shit! All right, so yeah, what did you, what did you think of that? I thought it was great. I think like I I hope that it comes out a little more on TV because I I don't think I felt that side of Drew, but like he really like was like I'm here to fuck shit up. Like mm-hmm. that's basically his attitude, and so. Hopefully it comes across on TV a little bit more, but I, I just love that. I, I feel like he basically he really learned from his first run, right? Like mm-hmm. his first run, he came in. I don't think he tried very hard. Vince just liked his look. So he's like, you're the chosen one. And Drew was just like, I can grow into cruise control. And now I think that he's had that blast mm-hmm. of reality. Now he's like, I'm going to come in and I'm going to really fucking prove to you. Like why you should be paying me. Like, mm-hmm. so great attitude i hope it just comes across a little bit more yeah yeah definitely like when you see that the guys are really like taking charge of like who their character is and that they care about what's going on a lot more like i feel like there's just a vast difference in what goes on with their performance you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like it just but at the same time like wwe is such like a stifling place and such a weirdly petty place that like a lot of those guys even if they are trying really hard and they're trying to get some shit done yeah, you just say the fucking wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time, and then you're fucked. That's true. So it's like there there is a lot of like that culture of kind of like you know, shut up and don't rock the boat because it is so easy to piss off the wrong person at the wrong time. I think with how Drew sounds now though, that that attitude and that atmosphere might be leaving. I mean, I think there's a little bit of that, but I think it's even more so, at least for Drew, like, because he's gone out on the independence and done all this shit, like, I think his attitude is that it's like, look, the worst that happens is that I fucking leave and just go back out to the independence, which is fine with me. Yeah. So he's just kind of got that, like, fuck it attitude, where mm. it's like, let's, hey, let's make some money together, and if not, then fuck it, whatever, I'll just go back to doing my own thing. True. And then him being able to sign, kind of say fuck it makes them... Like, they can't fuck with him, right? No. Because, like, if they're trying to tell him to do some stupid shit that he doesn't want to do, then theoretically he would just say, like, I'm not doing that. Or, like, you know, fight back a little bit more than he would have before. And and maybe that's, maybe he's going to bring that kind of attitude into the locker room, right? Like, mm-hmm. having him there saying, like, guys, this isn't the end-all be-all. Like, there there is wrestling out there. You can make a living outside of WWE. And look... Just because you leave doesn't mean you can't come back. Like mm-hmm. that should be especially known now. I mean, look at the guys that they've brought back in. Like not just active wrestlers, but they brought Warrior back. They brought Jeff Jarrett back. Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, like you the, cannot the be afraid. Right? They'll bring back yeah. anybody. If you can make them money, they'll bring you back. So, although fuck, at this point with uh, <laughs> Punk having beaten them in the lawsuit you think is punk still possible you think he would ever be able I think to come back i think you got to give it a couple of years at this point i think yeah because i mean i i still am kind of of the belief that i don't think he would ever come back on his terms but like for wwe do you think they would ever bring him back absolutely and i think he would come back too i think i think time just needs to heal the wounds right now I don't know, man. Like the doing that lawsuit for fucking years afterwards. Like, Je- like Vince McMahon didn't even do that shit to Bret Hart. Like when he fucking Montreal screwed him, that wasn't even that bad. 
Montreal skirt him. I'm like, you made it a firm. <laughs> Montreal screwed him. Yeah, like, I, I don't think Punk is ever going to fucking forgive these guys. Like, I think he will. I just think, I think the wounds are too fresh right now. I mean, he's definitely, I mean, there, there's a couple variables going into me saying that. One, it's the fact that, I mean, I, well, WWE, I think, sued, like, Warrior. I think he tried suing them, and they countered it, like, so they've been in court and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think those wounds can heal. And uh, I think Pump's got to realize, like, he, he's basically done in the UFC. Though Dana said the exact same line after his first fight, and mm-hmm. Punk did come back. So we'll see. That we still have to see on. But he definitely shouldn't be. He shouldn't be fighting on the UFC anymore. He should be fighting. If he wants to fight, fight on a lower promotion. Mm-hmm. Like, go to a Bellator or some other place where you can still get a decent payday. Like, you're definitely not going to get UFC money. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think... I think Punk likes the spotlight. I think that's why he went to the UFC and stuff like that. So, well, I mean, that number, he, he wants likes the fucking paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, all right, well, if I want to go fight, hey, do you want to fight and make, uh, like, 50 grand, or do you want to make uh, 500 grand? <laughs> or do you want to make a million? Yo. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the million, thank you. Yeah, I think out of the, I think this fight, he minimum, he pulled out 500,000, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I mean. Like the the money and the notoriety are at WWE. So, well, it's it's in wrestling, right? Because I think he could just go back to the re- like if he went to New Japan. Holy shit! Can you imagine like Omega versus Punk, Naito versus yeah. Punk? Fuck Jericho me, man! Punk. That's some good shit. That'd be very exciting. So, like, he... I think he... If he were ever going to come back and do wrestling again, he would just come back to the independents. Because at this point, like, he's got enough money that he wouldn't need to come back to WWE. Like, if he wanted to, I guess, like, he could obviously go back there and probably at this point make more money. But, well, you know what? I don't know. Even that's arguable, right? Like, because I think if he were smart enough... Like, there... With WWE, right, like, they're always going to be trying to make, like, a certain cut of your stuff. Like, they're going to be taking a certain percentage, and you can only get whatever they're going to give you. Out on the independents, if he's going in, like, not only New Japan, but, like, the other independents and then trying to, like, do his own t-shirts and merch and stuff like that, if he's in charge of his own shit, then he's taking, you know, a much larger cut, and he could theoretically potentially make more money than he would in WWE. Uh, the feeling I get from Punk is that he likes these places like the UFC and WWE mm-hmm. where they do a lot of the work for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but he could probably just find somebody else to do Like, it would probably just take, like, That's one or two true. people to do it for him. Or, I don't know, maybe is AJ Lee, is she competent in doing that? Like, maybe she would do that for him. I don't know. I mean, she's competent enough to write a book. I think that's what she's doing right now. Or no, I think the book already came out. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Or shit, like, apparently if he if he is really in talk with, like, the Young Bucks... Maybe they could fucking help him out. Yeah. They seem hey, to understand Cabana. how to do it. <laughs> they seem to have a pretty good handle on their merch, as it were. Or it could be a... There's cultmerch.com. He could make it cultpunkmerch.com. There you go. Dude, I, bet, I bet you every single person would want to hook up with punk. 
Like, why wouldn't you? I like. I feel like, isn't he like really one of the biggest guys that ever came out of the independent scene that really made like anybody else in the independent scene be able to get bigger? It'd be it'd be a close matchup between him and AJ. Yeah, yeah. I feel like those would be the two. Man, wouldn't that be a fucking excellent match to see someday? Right, or Daniel Bryan. Or Daniel Bryan. Yeah, maybe yeah. Daniel Bryan. Those those are the three. I would I would put I don't know who would be I don't know how to rank those three, but those are the three I would think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say. Because it's, it's such a weird abstract yeah. question. There's no way to prove it. Um but uh, something I wanted to get your opinion on that's a little not abstract. Um, Constable Corbin shaving the head. And Shitty. putting on some weird uh, vest, button-up shirt combo shit. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, one Shitty. step forward and two steps back. Cause, like, I right, mean, was the, there the, really ever one step forward? I think you shaving I his think head. You had... Dude, his hair was horrendously bad. Oh, that you're saying the shave the head is the one step yeah, forward. Yeah, I say shaving okay. your head was one step forward. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought I was taking your one step forward as like, hey, he got this constable role. Like, that was the one step forward. Okay. Well, you know what? Last week I was being hopeful and thinking that this was going to be awesome. But then he I was going to say, like a total you were very dork. hopeful last week. I was so – all right. You know what could have been more <laughs> awesome? Is like, all right, he comes in. You know what? I'm going to introduce a new little segment for us, something fun to do. I'm going to pull up for you part of Alt-Raw from this last week, and I want to get your opinion on the difference between these segments for how Baron Corbin could have been booked as the new Constable of Raw. As fucking weird of a title as that is. Because, man, if they had shaved his head and then made him come out looking like a... Not a stormtrooper in, like, the WWE sense, but in, like, the Nazi sense. Oh, Jesus Christ. Man, he could have been looking, like, badass as fuck. <laughs> Like speaking speaking of that, just uh, while you pull up Alt Raw, mm-hmm. I heard a great great question this week. Uh, Jim Cornette does like an all question show, mm-hmm. and someone asked him to explain why. Uh, oh, who's it? Who's the head of the Von Erich family? Oh, um, sh- I can't think of it. So the father, right? Yeah, the father yeah. of all the Von Erich boys. He his original wrestling character was a Nazi. <laughs> Huh. And like way back in the day, and then he became this like his character just changed out of nowhere, and he became this babyface, like this cowboy Texan babyface. And someone yeah. was like, "Can you explain that switching?" And Jim Cornette's like, "Holy shit, that's the greatest question ever." Like, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "I don't know." And like the only theory he could come up with is like that was back in the territory days. So like whatever territory he did the Nazi gimmick in, like, as if he went to Texas and no one knew about the Nazi gimmick, he could get over his baby face. Like, huh. Wow. <laughs> Who fucking knew? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, to get back to... Alright, so, WWE decided the best use of this new constable concept for Baron Corbin yeah. was to um, you know, for, shave the head, Put on a fucking little. What would you even like? Just a vest and like business pants, like you yeah, got a corporate look. Kind of, it was like a corporate half-ass police officer kind of thing. Like, 
And so he comes out and then basically just tells everybody to, like, stop being jackasses when they're standing on ladders. Yeah. It's, this really didn't feel to is, me like this fucking matters. Is he supposed to be the internet fan? Like... <laughs> Maybe. I don't, like, is, he... is he supposed to be the voice of, like, oh, God, they have him just sitting on ladders. It's just so dumb. I mean, that was stupid as fuck. It was, but, like, having Baron Corbin be yeah. the voice of that? Oh. <laughs> All right. So... <clears throat> that's what WWE's creative decided to come up and do for Baron Corbin to try and get him yeah. over in this new role. <clears throat> yeah, and we're like, that is all he did basically. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm trying to remember. Did he even show up on the rest of the show? I not that I can remember. Let me I, while you're going through all raw, I'll double check. Well, I gotta you gotta tell me because you I we presented that. That's what WWE did. Yeah, this is what alt raw did. You tell me if this was better. All right, so. He's technically in two segments, but they're connected together. For the first one is Constable Corbin versus Kurt Hawkins in the signals match. So, Kurt Hawkins is upset that his losing streak continued last week, and he was unable to give everyone free tacos. So, <laughs> he promises everyone that he'll make it up to them when he finally breaks his losing streak and beats Baron Corbin. Cuts off his promo, Corbin comes down to the ring, shuts Hawkins up, beats him in a quick squash match, it's over. Corbin goes to grab a microphone, and so now we go into the next segment of Constable Corbin versus Roman Reigns singles match. Uh, Corbin grabs a mic and reminds everyone that since Stephanie McMahon named him the, quote, Constable of Raw, that he is the law. Baron then tells us that someone's been running roughshod on Raw, and it's time to bring that man to justice. Corbin calls out Roman Reigns for his repeated attacks on Jinder Mahal outside of matches in the backstage area, etc. Having heard enough, Reigns will come down to answer his charges and tell Corbin that he doesn't, quote, respect his authority. <laughs> Would he say it just like that? No. Okay. Because <laughs> Reigns would never be able to pull that off. A match starts between the two, after which, uh, after a competitive back and forth, Jinder Mahal comes in, sneaks into the match, and smacks Reigns with a chair when the ref's not looking, giving the lone wolf the opportunity he needs to pick up the win over the big dog. So, which do you think was better for Baron Corbin? This is tough. This mm. is really tough. I'm going to have to go alt-raw. Look, like, look like a bitch and wine? Beat two people. Hmm. And I, I double-checked. That was his only segment on Raw. That was it, folks. That is all WWE could Hold come on. up Can with. Can we put out the beginning of the show, too? That's it. Comes out of the beginning, and that's it. Yep, that's it. Just comes out, looks like a total fucking dork, and then leaves. Like, what the fuck? I mean, to be fair, has this been any different than what he's been booked at before? Hey, you know what? At least he used to fucking have matches and beat people up. <laughs> like, at least at least then there was like, oh, I'm supposed to be afraid of you, even though you're doing a bad job of making me be afraid of you. At least you're doing something that theoretically I should be afraid of you for. I and see not... what you're going for. <laughs> I, 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 you're at least trying to go in the right direction. But now he's just like, fuck it, I'm just shaving my head and becoming a corporate... Like, he, I feel like he... Shouldn't he have had, like, a giant existential crisis to get to this point? Because it seems like he's completely given up. Yeah, like, I feel like he's the guy that shouldn't want to shave his head, right? Like... Yeah. I'll, they, no, he, this is my badass outlaw haircut. Like, Shouldn't they have made this a fucking stipulation in a match, like a hair versus, like, a mask or somebody match, and then he loses? 
So we have well, a even reason just, for this? Even just segments with Stephanie, right? Where, like, Stephanie's like, if you really want to be corporate, you have to shave your head and, like, maybe have her mention Triple H. Like, look how good he looks now. Oh, like, something like that. That would right? be and have, perfect. Have Bravo, Corbin Joe. be like, have, like, Corbin question it a little bit. Have some tension between Steph and Corbin, but yeah. not too much tension. Not too much. Because mm-hmm. we still want them on the same page. Right. So... That would have been perfect, because then you would have seen, too, it's like the ultimate bitching out of him, right? Yes. Because then he he, finally, he he does whatever, I'll give in. Yeah. If it means means I get a nice, cushy corporate job and I get to beat people up, (laughs) whatever, I'll cut this shit off. This is what happens when I have time to think about this. (laughs) (laughs) Man, that would have been so much fucking better. This is why they need us. (laughs) Because otherwise, they just shave people's heads and have them tell out and tell everybody to get off ladders that they for some reason told them to get onto in the first place <laughs> like, i didn't think about it like that yeah because like all right here how are we supposed to think of this was it all of their idea to go set up ladders in the ring hey guys, and get microphones like did they conference ahead of time like, walk in the ring all on top of ladders like what the fuck how, like this is the most contrived weird segment ever wait and we had we had twice we had both Alexa Bliss and Baron make fun of like what was going on in the segment. You had Alexa Bliss saying, "Let's not turn this into Raw Housewives or whatever." Yeah. Oh my god. And you have Corbin <laughs> calling them, like they, they look like idiots standing on top of the ladders. Like, yeah, it's like all right, WWE. I don't know how many times you can tell us that this segment is stupid while the segment is happening, and then not expect us to think it's stupid. Oh my god, I heard a great, that that just reminded me of it, a great Chris Jericho story. So, what was the segment? Oh, I'm blanking on it now, but Jericho apparently... 1,004 holds. No, it it was in WWE, during his most recent run, and he Uh, was having a segment with somebody. It might have been something dealing with this, but basically... Cole on commentary called this the worst worst segment in Raw history. <laughs> oh, I, I vaguely I, remember that. Yeah, but what fucking segment was that now? Yeah, right. Like, so okay, so you remember? And it wasn't like it was an okay segment. It wasn't horrible or anything like that. And mm-hmm. like Jericho heard that like Cole had said this, so he went up and like reamed Cole out. Cole's like, Vince told me to say it. <laughs> and so then Jericho went and had an argument with Vince about it. And, like, basically pointed out, like, basically it came down, Vince was in a bad mood and just didn't like the segment. And so he told Cole to say that. Because Jericho's like, really, Vince? Out of all the shitty segments you've had in Raw over the years, that was the worst one? Really? Like, that one was the worst? And Vince was like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I don't, that is a really hard, con- like, what, in your opinion? What- oh, it was something with, uh, what's his name? Brad Maddox. Something with Brad Maddox? So it wasn't, I'm sorry, it might not have been the most recent run. So this is maybe like a couple years ago? I think it was a couple years. It was when Maddox was GM. And okay. Jericho mm-hmm. had a segment with him. Okay. Something like that. Okay. But yeah. anyway, in, in the whole history of WWE, if you had to pick, what, what would you say would be like the worst segment you've ever seen or that you can think uh, of? Recently, what comes to mind is the Alexa Bliss, This Is Your Life, with mm. Bailey. That was pretty bad. 
Yeah, that was a bad recent one. What about like of all time? Of all time. Mm. Mm. Oh, I just thought of like the fucking worst joke. <laughs> Why? You know, you know what segment really rubbed me the wrong way, Joe? What was, was that? The uh, the segment where they decided to uh, kayfabe kill Owen Hart. I think that was probably the worst one. <laughs> oh jeez. Ugh. I sometimes that, that wasn't raw though, so you can't. <laughs> That's true. That's not raw, so it doesn't count. Um. Ah shit. What would be the worst one on Raw? I don't. You know what was the was the Katie Vick thing on Raw? Yes. I think that might have to be the one for me. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Necrophilia is pretty bad. Um. Damn, I'm blanking on like a really bad one from back in the day. Well, it doesn't necessarily I have can... to be from a long time ago. It just has to be like, yeah. what, 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 if you had to rank, like, what's the number one for you? I mean, recently, there's there's so many. Like, the barbecue <laughs> segment, the oh, Sami Zayn and Bobby Lashley sister segment. Like, Yeah, that was bad. Oh, anything with, um, anything with that fucking GM. What was his name? The outsider guy that got, like, Jeff Hardy's name wrong. Um... You remember who I'm talking about? Outsider guy that got Jeff Hardy's name wrong? Yeah. Uh, Hold on. Raw GMs. I don't know. Mike Adamley. Mike Adamley? (laughs) I don't think I've... He had... Any segment he was involved in. Okay. So he was the worst. Yeah. Got like Jeff Hardy's name wrong and a whole bunch of other stuff. I think he said WWE wrong one time. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's pretty bad. Oh, you know, I don't know. It, it has some stuff, stiff competition with some other segments on Raw this week because I feel like also <clears throat> getting that visual of Nia Jax tapping to Rousey like that was really bad. <laughs> yeah, this match again, like the build up to it i just don't get it but it's like in in whatever tension they were trying to build up is now all gone because now we know that it's like oh well okay she can get the arm bar on her and then when she does she taps immediately like that was the but only it, it, remaining it, it, drama right was that it's like oh well can she get the arm bar even though we all kind of know she can mm-hmm. like that was the drama going in is will she be able to get the arm bar And they could have used this segment to make us actually doubt it. Yeah, like maybe she, she tried easily. to and then failed. Because Nia broke out of it or something. Like, But the thing is, like, we just know there's going to be some kind of schmoz finish, right? Like, they can't do a definitive finish on this match. Well, now they can't. Like, they fucking... I mean, with WWE's mindset now, they can't. Like, obviously they could, and maybe it would just be a better idea for them to just do a straight finish twice in a row. But like with WWE and the way they do things, they won't now. But before, and especially if Nia Jax had maybe like beaten up Ronda Rousey here a little bit and made us doubt, then you could have just had Ronda Rousey fucking beat her clean at the pay-per-view. But now we've already seen it. So, I... Yeah, so now it's just going to be schmozzy fucking bullshit. Probably. 
is going to be my prediction. I don't know. We're going to have to get into predictions for Money in the Bank and Chicago here. Because we're putting the title back on the line. Just fucking defended it at Dominion and now. <laughs> fighting champion. Never say I'm not a fighting champion, Joe. I'll say you're not a fighting champion. You bitch. Just for hell of it. You bitch. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> Hashtag heel. <laughs> we're both such a fucking heels. Or t- <laughs> I love it. We're just we're the eternal fucking heel versus heel match. Like there is no baby face in our promotion. <laughs> we need to go find a third baby face to come in and start like competing with us. I don't know. All my friends are pretty heels too, so. Yeah, that's well. That's the problem, right? With being a true heel, is that only heels want to be your friend. Yeah. Unless you like trick a baby face, but that gets boring after a little while. I mean, unless we want to do intergender matches, because like Aaron's a total baby face, so that's true. And my wife's a total. What like? But we'd fucking cream them. Like, there's no way. Well, unless it was one of, like you know when WWE just does a swerve fest, and then just picking randomly is like better than actually trying to think about it. <laughs> so maybe they would actually be able to beat us in those regards because there's like oh, I don't know whatever that guy probably and then that's what Vince thought too was like oh whatever fucking give it to that guy I don't care Erin <laughs> said muscles? that she, was, she wants to do a fantasy football next year but only pick it based on how cute the players are <laughs> there you go we could like alright who's the cuter wrestler that's who should win that'll be the new the new standard. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. What was another really bad segment from this week? I know. The obstacle course. What the fuck? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess it's like, all right, was, was the just... idea supposed to be, it's like, oh, look, Sami Zayn is so clever because he got uh, Bobby Lashley to exhaust himself, but, like, not really because he went then... through it in, like, a minute. But then he cheap shots him because, like, obviously he was trying to distract him. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This is bad. The only I'd, I'd heard an idea about this that could maybe try and save this shit. Like maybe, because this has been just like such a weird lackluster feud. Like I just wanted to be over as fast as possible. But like mm-hmm. maybe an interesting little wrinkle going into this match because like clearly I guess the whole military thing is the one chord you can strike with Bobby Lashley to get him upset. What if Sami mm-hmm. Zayn, when he comes out to the pay-per-view at Money in the Bank, what if he comes out in, like, a military uniform or something to, like, mock Bobby Lashley? <laughs> like, to get him pissed off. To try and, like, use that, like, all right, well, now if you're pissed uh, off, I can take advantage of you in the match. It depends on WWE's feelings on that. Like, if mm-hmm. unless it's a really obviously fake military uniform. Mm-hmm. But, because remember, they fired Finley for he had the Miz interrupt the national anthem at a house show. Whoa. And remember Finley booked that because he was the agent in charge of booking that house show and he got fired for that. Shit. This was years ago, but... Mm-hmm. So yeah, fucking have it be like a, you know, fake enough to be whatever they need it to be. And then, Oh, you uh, know what? And then have, have them, them come like, out. Lashley's obviously going to win, so... You could totally have him come out as a Mountie. Oh my god, that'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> right? And say that he's in the Canadian Army? Like, that would totally work the same way. Like, Maybe, yeah. <laughs> say, like, that the Mounties 
the Mounties are a superior fighting force to the U.S. Army or something like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's declaring war on Bobby Lashley. Oh, and it's also he could come out to the Mounties theme song. Yeah, make people think for like half a second, like, oh, did they get the Mountie? Yeah. Is the Mountie still around? I think he is. Is he still alive? Maybe he'd get a guest appearance to come in. Although, that reminds me of another rumor I'd heard of maybe another guest appearance at the pay-per-view. Did you hear that James Ellsworth has dropped out of his booking that he had on the same day at Money in the Bank? Yeah, I had heard that. Now, has he dropped out of any others, or is it just that booking? I, I'm, I, would, I would assume any others, but I because I did look up and confirm that there was a, a booking he had in uh, China for a wrestling match, and he uh, canceled that because that was huh. the same day as Money in the Bank. Interesting. So maybe he's going to be uh, returning to the old WWE to maybe help out old Carmella. Now, is that? Do you think that's where? The, do you think they go with him helping her, or? I. I would think so. I feel like that's got to be the much smarter it's, idea is to put them back together. It's tough to tell with him because he didn't really have a conclusion to his storyline. He was just gone. Mm-hmm. Well, it was no. She she got rid of him. She told him to fuck off, and then he was gone. True, but I do you count that as a real like definitive end? Well, if he never comes back, then I do. Like, but. But then if he comes back now, is like, hey, I came back and saved you when you needed me most. True. Yeah, because like he could like de- cause disqualification or something like that, so that she retains the title. I mean, I'm just I'm so used to tag teams like taking a while to break mm-hmm. up. So having just one person say once, "Hey, get away," and that person listening, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's just odd to me. True. But WWE also has the habit of just like squandering talent and throwing people away that they could use. So there's also that talent, uh, that trend. That's true. That's true. Because I honestly don't know why they got rid of him in the first place. Like, because even if like they, no, for some reason wanted to split random. him and Carmella up, like I felt like he was still a useful talent. So I thought that was kind of stupid that they got rid of him. Yeah. So, it's exciting that it looks like maybe he's going to be coming back. Because I would like to see yeah. him and Carmelo back together. I thought that worked very well. And I thought, I think Carmelo could also use it right now, so. Totally. Especially, like, if, like, look, this is the only way to extend her title reign. Like, otherwise, you have to give it back to Asuka. Yeah. Or give it to Asuka. Because I guess and she's I, technically never and had I think Carmella, title. I think Carmella needs to hold on to it just a little bit longer. It would it would help to solidify this a little bit longer. Otherwise, it would always be considered just that little blip on the radar. Mm-hmm. And I think like right like Ellsworth if if Ellsworth comes back costs the match for Asuka, then you can get one more pay per view cycle out of this. Have Asuka still get the title, but you've had a little bit more of the chase. Yeah. And Carmella's had like a little bit more time to like make a little bit more of like because I, I still think that she's actually done a pretty good job for how short her title reign has been as far as like having the melibration mm-hmm. and like having the whole like constant braggart thing where she's going around talking about her wins over oscar and charlotte yeah so i think she's been doing all right with what's been given but it could definitely be better it's just getting 
it could definitely get some, use some sprucing up. Yeah, like it needs. There needs to be a new chapter, which is what we're gonna have at least exactly. in some form theoretically here at Money in the Bank. So that'll be good. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. Was there anything else you wanted to get into before we do predictions for Money in the Bank and for uh, NXT Chicago? Uh, just NXT real quick. Besides Omega and Okada, go watch uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne. Oh, NXT yes. this week. Yes. That was a fantastic match. It like should have been on TakeOver. <laughs> yeah, I guess but, it's uh, just one of those things where, you know, I guess Kyle O'Reilly's already got a match and so do, well no, Pete yeah. Dunn doesn't, right? Nope. No, Pete he's not on it, but Kyle's defending a, the NXT tag team championship. So but yeah, just fantastic match from start to finish. Yeah. Really great fucking uh, match and like such a really great like technical match right like two guys who can really go at a fast pace yeah and I thought really that. brought out O'Reilly's heel side mm-hmm. like when he got so cocky at the end there like that he was gonna get the win and then Pete does the finger snap oh so good yep excellent excellent shit alright yeah. let's get into some predictions shall we alright yeah you wanna start with TakeOver yeah let's start off with TakeOver so uh Perfect lead-in. First match, we have the Undisputed Era, which is Mm -hmm. Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Also, note here on this takeover, no Adam Cole. So that's right. um, But yeah, isn't he Kyle? um, Isn't he defending the title in uh, Evolve or some other? He's defending the title in some other promotion that weekend. I don't know if it's that weekend or if it's like it's sometime soon. It might be that weekend though. Okay, so they just might be safe, like. Instead of having him on TakeOver and that show, focus mm-hmm. on that show a little bit, maybe. Uh, but no matter what, uh, so it's Kyle and Roddy uh, defending their titles against Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. <laughs> now, <laughs> uh, number one and number two, they can go number one and number two and flush all that oh. shit down the toilet. They're not winning. <laughs> I My only <laughs> thing about them at might winning is that I think all the other title matches retain so i think they might throw this switch in as a surprise but i don't want it to so i'm gonna stick with the undisputed error okay that's a smart i was gonna say like man i hope you do you give me the points i'll take them (laughs) if because this this is like the these guys are totally not fucking winning especially because they've got scheduled at um the uh uk tournament thing they're gonna be defending the title against or defending or fighting against Mustache Mountain? Are the titles on the line? I think they are. Not sure. Anyway, we'll have to see about that. That's going to be exciting, too. But uh, anyway, next match on TakeOver. Uh, Ricochet versus Velveteen Dream. Whew. I this think is, Velveteen this a, takes this one. This is really hard. Because, yeah, I guess it, a lot of it, I guess, comes down to whether whether I feel like they're going to be extending this feud out. Because if it's going to keep going, then I feel like Dream should win this. Oh, I actually have the opposite feeling. I feel like if the feud's going to continue out, I think Ricochet should win. Mm. But Velveteen, I think, might get the win here just because I think he might be the one up next to go after Black in the championship. Mm. Because of their past. Mm-hmm. I... Hmm. 
That's right. I was I was trying to give this some thought, and I feel like I guess this will give away a little bit my prediction for another match too. But that's fine. I okay. I feel like the next challenger for Alistair Black is gonna be Tommaso Ciampa. Hmm. Okay. Like that's that's who I'm kind of feeling. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Ricochet here. I feel like it's a little bit too early to have Ricochet lose, but like it it would also be. Well, I think you could extend this feud out, I guess, if Ricochet wins, depending on how it wins. Also, like, Dream, I think, is, Dream I mean, is kind of, like, NXT kind of perennially has this one role of, like, there's always a guy who loses all their t- takeover matches, but, like, they basically get themselves over and the other guy over anyway. And, like, that used to be Tyler Breeze for a time, and then it was Ty sure. Dillinger, yeah. and then now it's Velveteen Dream. So I'm going to say Velveteen Dream keeps to that pattern and loses to make Ricochet look like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. All right, so are you sticking Dream? Yeah, I'm sticking Dream. All right. But this is going to be, like, I'm, this is probably one of the most exciting matches. I, this is the one I'm most excited for on this show. Definitely. I'm not sure about the whole weekend, though. We'll have to see. Yeah. Uh, then we have Shayna Baszler versus uh, Nikki Cross for the Women's Championship. Yeah, I feel like I Baszler's think Shayna retains. Was, yeah. Because I think even if Nikki goes after her again, I think they might be holding off Sanity until Nikki comes up. That can make sense. Like Because, yeah, they haven't debuted them on SmackDown at all yet. No, they just had the, the previews for them. But they haven't said like when they're debuting. They just say, like, Sanity is coming. Actually, you know, this could be very perfect timing, right? Because if, if Nikki Cross loses here and this is her swan song, then she goes right up and then maybe this week on SmackDown, boom, Nikki Cross and Sanity... Debut on SmackDown. Yeah, right after a big pay-per-view. Because Money in the Bank is now a big pay-per-view in the WWE. So, yeah. Kind of another one of those, like, chapter-ending pay-per-views. So. Totally. And this, you know what, in a way, this, this, I mean, maybe not completely, but, like, in a way, this kind of does feel like maybe a little bit of a, a swan song mm-hmm. now that I think about it. Because they just kind of feel like this was, like, thrown together out of nowhere. So maybe this is kind of like, mm-hmm. well, we're going to be sending her up, so let's let's give her a title match on her way out. So yeah. that's why this was like rushed so quickly. Because yeah, like it's we had talked a bit, little bit about this beforehand, but um, this this does feel like a really rushed storyline between these yeah. two. Like not that the components that have been there have been bad, but it's just been such a short amount of time that they haven't really been able to explore it very much. And that's very un NXT. Like I feel like they give a lot more time for these things. They usually do, but I think like they just might have wanted to squeeze this one in. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what ended up happening with this one. Anyway, what do we got next on the card? Uh, it depends on what we think the main event is going to be. Is it going to be mm. Alistair Black or Gargano Champa? Huh. I, don't know. I think Gargano Champa main events it, but yeah, I mean, I feel like it probably will because it it still feels like it's a much bigger feud, right? Because like Black and Sullivan is definitely also still kind of thrown together pretty last minute. Yeah, so let's predict Black and Sullivan first, I guess. Then yeah, and let's do that. I think this is easy. Black retains. <laughs> Yeah, I I would be very surprised if they gave it to Sullivan. Like, not that like he couldn't win a match, but just like, what the fuck are you gonna do with him as NXT champion? 
Yeah. Like, I don't even know he's if he's not going to do anything. Yeah. I don't know. That Like, that would just be monumental. It's like, all right, fucking, we already have big monkey Brock Lesnar on the main roster <laughs> doing the same gimmick. So we don't need the NXT champion to be doing the same thing. Although, here's, here's a question. What do you think about, like, Lars Sullivan at this point as a talent? I mean, I think he's a solid big guy, but there's not much depth to him. Mm-hmm. You think he needs a manager at some point? Probably to like give a him some kind or of a tag team partner or something. I want a backstory. I I just want why he's feeling the way he is. like. I feel like I haven't gotten that. Joe Sheen wants to know about Lars Sullivan's feelings. You know, here you go. You, like, can, you can be you can be his therapist. That'll be his yeah. manager character. After he beats people up, you come in with the microphone and like a box of tissues and stuff like that. And it's like, all right, now Lars, how does that make you feel? <laughs> it makes me mad. I'm smash people. I don't know, something really shitty like that. I apologize. That was bad. <laughs> Go home. You're drunk. I am home. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little bit drunk. That's okay. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, Black retains here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You're, you know what? How long do you think Sullivan's going to be in NXT? Do you think he's going to be there a while, or do you think that he's going to be one of those guys that, like, similar to Braun Strowman, they just, like, call him up really quick because he's a big guy? I think he might be there a while because, like, they already have a guy like Braun Strowman up on the roster, and then if Sanity is going to debut on SmackDown, then you have um, Killian Dane. So, mm-hmm. you know what? Actually, here's a really wacky idea as far as timing. What if, what if he loses here to Aleister Black, and then Sanity debuts on SmackDown, and then Lars Sullivan is a new member of Sanity. Like, give him something to do. Possibly. Make, make that group look a lot more threatening. Because, like, let me let me be honest. Killian Dane is a little bit big, but, like, nobody in that group is really that threatening. They all look like a bunch of Killian... weird, demented, circus clown people. I think that's kind of the idea, though. They don't look threatening, but they actually are. I mean, I, I guess. I don't know. That's that's the other thing about sanity is like they're so fucking nebulous that it's like it's hard to know what the fuck they're really supposed to be. Yeah, I felt like we never really got that flushed out in NXT because like they were like this weird like I don't know whether they're they're kind of like tweenerish. They were not really heel or babyface, and then all of a sudden they were like babyfaces when they had to go up against Authors of Pain, and then all of a sudden they were just getting called up. I don't know. It was all very sudden and strange. I really don't know what to think of Sanity. I mean, maybe because you haven't seen him for a while. But, like, even reflecting back on it, like, I feel like I have a lot more of, like, I, I remember, you know, the Revival being, like, these really awesome technical fucking heels and the American the American Alpha being, like, this really great fucking babyface team. And, like, DIY I mean, being Sanity, really, like... Sanity is just, like, your brawling outsider people. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. They were just... It's just so weird. I don't know how to process sanity, apparently. I'm insane. Ha. All right. 
How did we? How did we get on this tangent? <laughs> Uh, I pitched the really weird idea of maybe Sullivan's going to lose and then get called up to the main roster as part of Sanity. Okay, yeah, no. <laughs> no. You know what? Fucking right. put him with Paul Ellering. If you're not going to do anything with him, with like the Authors of Pain, maybe Paul Ellering and him would be a good fit. Yeah. And so long as he's down in NXT, apparently. Mm-hmm. All right, so that just leaves uh, Gargano and Champa 2? 3? 3? Is it right? Because I thought it was only two. I swear this is three. Because they've they've like beaten each other up and gotten physical before. But I think this is only the second match. I'm not sure, but uh. Anyway, who are you going? I'm gonna go Gargano in this one, and I know I know you're gonna go opposite. Mm-hmm. Yep, I am gonna go Champa. Because Gargano last won the last one, and so Champa, I feel like needs to. Well, I, I've got two lines of thought that both lead me to thinking Champa. One, if this is going to be a trilogy, then Champa needs to win this one to then justify a third match. Or if this is going to be over, and then maybe like Champa, because I'm this is kind of what I'm thinking is hopefully this is the end of the feud in my opinion, and that they can do like Champa. Beats up Gargano so bad that he's like out of NXT, and maybe, maybe he like. I, I would think that it's got to be some sort of involvement with Candice. I don't know whether she gets injured herself or if she injures Johnny somehow. Like she distracts him and then Champa gets him. But I feel like that's got to be the story. I feel like Candice is super central to this because she's been. I mean, she's definitely going to play a role. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I feel like Champ is definitely winning this. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Because clearly you think differently. I just think Gargano wins because, like, yes, he did get the upper hand on Champa last week, I think. Uh, right on NXT. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was only, like, a really quick upper hand. And then, um, otherwise, Champa really seems to have his number. So I think they've been like, hey, Champa takes it during the... NXT weeks, mm-hmm. and then at takeovers, Gargano generally wins. So, gotcha. Yeah, like Champa takes TV. Yeah, and Gargano gets the pay per view. That makes sense. Hmm. All right. So we we it's down to two matches for takeover. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. Ricochet Dream and Champa and Gargano. Over on Money in the Bank, we've got ten more. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. All right. So uh, Daniel Bryan versus Big Cass. Just a regular old singles match. I think Brian takes this one again. I think let's just fucking put this feud to rest. I think so too, because they haven't really done much with Cass since then. Like, well, he just keeps cutting the same fucking promo, which is that like, I'm tall. Like, he's I short. know that you're tall, you fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> I can see it by looking at you. You st- like, I don't know. What the fuck is you, the point? You taught us that. Yes. I <laughs> uh, see so you're going Daniel Bryan too. Yeah. Also, I gotta say, in particular, I love that he's using the heel hook. Yeah. That is such a great like. I love that his his transition of style has been great. Like just mm-hmm. becoming that much more technical. Because it's not even that he's done like a total 180, right? It's just no. like 
a it's a very similar style, mm-hmm. but just switched up a little bit. But just definitely way more overall grounded and way more technically focused. Yeah. Like, he's still got a lot of the old moves. He just uses them a little bit less. Mm-hmm. Which then makes them even more special. Yeah. Uh, and then we've got Seth Rollins versus Elias. <sighs> this is actually a really hard one for me to call. I think Seth Rollins takes it. He's on such a roll, I, mean, I think, to take the title away from him right now. It would be very, very stupid. And I agree 1,000%, and that's exactly why I'm so conflicted. Because this, this, on paper, looks to me to be like the classic WWE situation of like the sure right move is to give the move to Rollins, and then they're going to be like, you know what? I really liked seeing Elias with that intercontinental guitar thing that he did. Let's put the belt on him. He'll be like Honky Tonk Man. And then they'll just fucking do it. So you going to Elias? Are you walking with Elias? God damn it. I, this is so hard. Because this, so, this is like the very classic, do they do the smart thing or do they do the WWE thing? <laughs> You know what? I don't. Know. I I think that they're smart. I th- fuck. God damn it. <laughs> cause like, all right. This is the other problem too. Is because Rollins smashed the guitar against Elias. Yeah. So like, he got the upper hand on the go home raw, and Elias is like one of the only guys challenging for a title who hasn't like grabbed and picked up the title already. Because, like, that's the other, like, thing where, like, all right, Lars Sullivan, you're fucked because you picked up the title. Like, you don't do that. Like, half the guys in Money in the Bank are fucked because they fucking touched the briefcase already. Like, Miz? Oh, Miz is fucked now because he fucking took it down. But then there was pancakes inside. Still, like, he had the whole visual of climbing the ladder, unhooking it. Like, he just undid himself in that moment. You know what? All right. I, I mean, it might fucking bite me in the ass. Who knows? I'm going to go Elias. Oh, that title bite is mine. Because <laughs> I, I feel like this is classic WWE does a stupid move and decides to put the Intercontinental title on Elias because they're like, fuck it, it'll get heat. And we can just give it back to Rollins. <laughs> so, we'll see how that goes. What do we got next? <laughs> uh, Bobby Lashley versus Sami Zayn. Uh, Lashley wins this. Lashley. Yeah, like this poor Sami Zayn. He's been in such a weird, shitty feud. Uh, but I think hit, losing isn't gonna hurt him either. So no, it just I just because he's Sammy. Yeah, I guess even for both guys, I just wish that they would have come up with something better. Oh, yeah, both guys could do so much better. Cause it's like even they they didn't even have a bad foundation to work off. Of. Cause like having the whole thing with like Sami Zayn getting vertigo and shit, like that was a good foundation. Sami Zayn could have been starting to complain about how, like, Lashley is too unsafe of a worker and this is an unsafe work environment, trying to, like, make false claims about him. And then, w- like, that could have been a whole storyline. That would have been a lot it's... more compelling than him being like, do you really love your sisters? Were you really in the army? Do this obstacle course. Like, what the fuck is this shit? I don't know, man. I don't know either. Uh, I don't know, but, man. I... Up next, we have the Bludgeon Brothers against Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. 
The BB versus the clubby. BB versus the GB. Good brothers. Oh, yeah. BB versus the GB. Exactly. Uh, sorry, GB. You ain't winning this one. This is no. the BBs. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, the, the GBs are just the latest sacrifices to these guys. And that's fine. But I think it'll be a decent match. I, you know what? I hope it's just quick. Because uh, for two reasons. One, I think it helps get the Bludgeon Brothers over quicker if they're or more if they're able to just like put these guys away faster. Uh huh. And just because like I I really haven't been feeling it from the club in a long time, so I don't care to see them wrestle. Uh, then up next we have Roman Reigns versus Jinder Mahal. Whew. I think Reigns wins it. Yeah, uh, unquestioningly, I think Reigns wins this. Question is, does Jinder Mahal get cheered against Roman Reigns? Where this is in Chicago, right? Yep. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> They're gonna get so behind Jinder. Uh, then up next we have Carmella versus Asuka for the women's championship. Hmm. I think Carmella retains with the help of a returning James Ellsworth. Yeah, you know what? With like the whole Ellsworth canceling his booking thing like that, I feel like that's going to be... Yeah, I feel like that's what's going to happen. Because, like, why would he... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Plus, it extends Carmella out a little bit more. In order to extend it out a little bit more, you definitely need a wonky finish like that, so... Yeah. And honestly, I would actually really dig that. Because, like, I feel like it would be a really good for... Like, it would make sense for Carmella's storyline. It'd be great to see Ellsworth back again. And from, like, a continuity perspective, it's cool that it was, like, Money in the Bank last year and it's Money in the Bank again this year. Yeah. So, like, that could kind of, like, help relieve and forge more of, like, Carmella's characters. Like, she's, like, lucky at Money in the Bank. Yeah. Like, that's her. And then mm-hmm. eventually have Asuka, like, take down Ellsworth later in the feud. Yeah, exactly. So then, yeah, Ellsworth is just the new block in between, and then she takes that out, and then at yeah. the next pay-per-view here, like, Extreme Rules or whatever, then Asuka, there you go. If, if Ellsworth's really into doing all this, like, intergender shit, how about they do, like, Extreme Rules... Asuka does a rematch of, like, a handicap match, the two of them versus her for the women's title. Mm-hmm. And then Asuka beats them both. Yeah. Or, like, maybe at that pay-per-view, maybe Asuka taps out Ellsworth, so then Carmella has more of, like, a reason to get her rematch. It's like, well, you only tapped him out, not me. So then you get one last match out of it. Carmella's then done. The queen yeah. is finally, or the princess of Staten Island's finally done. Mm-hmm. But that would be, like, a good way to extend it out. Yeah. Uh, then next up, we have Nia Jax versus Ronda Rousey for the Wall Women's Championship. The Wall Women's Championship. Uh, I think maybe like a DQ or something like that. Nia retains. Or like a count out or something. Mm-hmm. Just not a straight up. I don't see a pin or a submission. Yeah. Or maybe is that maybe that's like their cockamamie idea. So like, oh well, maybe Ronda Rousey has to try and like win the match some other way. Like she can't get in the armbar, so maybe she's got to pin her or something. Even though, like, I don't know what the fuck would have to happen for that to occur. 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think they take it off Naya this quick. I mean, I don't think they should take it off Naya this quick, but I can see them wanting to put it on Ronda this real quick, so I don't know. Yeah, that's that's the challenge, right? Is that like they clearly, I feel like, want to put this title on Rousey quickly. But the the other problem is that like they just had the visual already of her tapping out Naya. So and I feel like they're I don't know. The the feeling in the water for me, right, is that they're gonna be trying to build some sort of like longer storyline. Maybe Stephanie McMahon gets involved. And this is like the screw job at first to keep her chasing. Possibly. But then is like, is that too many screw jobs? Like if Carmella's already gonna be screwing Asuka, then like not, I mean not for WWE. They don't mind having a whole bunch of matches on one night having a similar finish. That's true. Alright, so you're definitely going Naya retaining? Yeah. Through like a DQ or something like that? Yeah. Non pin. You don't you don't think that Naya's gonna pin Rousey? No. Or like if if it happened to be like through crazy cockamamie shenanigans like I think even that, I think this is gonna be like a count out or a DQ or something like that. Mm hmm. Hmm. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit against form again. I'm gonna because I feel like maybe maybe this is the one time WWE is gonna just like be very consistent in their booking of somebody and just make Ronda Rousey this just like unfucking stoppable bitch. I'm gonna go Rousey. Okay. I'm gonna go Rousey. You might have me on that one. Because then, yeah, like maybe Nia Jax and whoever she gets affiliated with are just then coming back for revenge, or like maybe, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm picking. I'm picking Rousey. Then we have AJ Styles versus Shinsuke and Nakamura for a last man standing match for the WWE Championship. This is another tough one. Because I want to see Styles have the wear cup finish. Mm-hmm. But I also think Shinsuke needs the championship. <sighs> I'm going to go Nakamura. Because I, I feel like the different feuds you get coming out of that, like, first of all, I think it'd be really, really interesting and fun if, like, the way that they finish this match is that, like, AJ Styles is, like, quote-unquote injured for a little bit. Like, maybe just for a couple weeks or maybe, like, a couple months. So then he could, like, come back after Shinsuke for, like, a, the vengeance and let this breathe a little bit. Let him have some time to cool down. Let him heal up a couple injuries. Maybe go on vacation. Then he can come back because he's been like working like a fucking madman for a long time, so he deserves a yeah. little bit of a break. And then Nakamura, in the meantime, could be feuding with Daniel Bryan. He could be feuding with Samoa Joe because I think Samoa Joe right now is like you could. He's like basically a babyface, so you could have like he, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like those two. You could have uh, yeah. Shit, who else right now? Be right on. Like I guess you could have like maybe Randy Orton go after him or like Jeff Hardy. Yeah, like, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of options mm-hmm. on SmackDown. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Shinsuke on this one then. And also, like, to fucking reward this amazing heel turn, because I think he's been great since turning heel. Yeah. Uh, then we have the men's Money in the Bank uh, ladder match, which is Strowman, Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin and Samojo, and one of the New Day. Ooh, so does that mean you think uh, the women's money the bank is going to be main eventing? Uh, that's just the order I'm reading on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. 
Cool. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, men's money in the bank. Hmm. Shit. Like, I, I just even was thinking about it. I th- I've thrown a wrench into my own works because I originally thought that uh, Miz was definitely going to be winning this. I think Kevin but... Owens takes this. Hmm. You think Owens? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because my other two favorites would be Samoa Joe or Braun Strowman. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they need it, so. You know what? I I may come to regret this. I might have been doing this too many times on this set of predictions, but let's see. This one's different. The other reasons I've had more intellectual reasons for. This one, I'm going for my heart. I'm going for New Day. Jesus Christ. All right, let me explain a little bit, because I have a slightly intellectual reason why, too. Because I, I really feel like they're going to split the briefcase sizes up. One of them's going to be on Raw, one of them's going to be on SmackDown. And I feel like since Carmella had it last year over on SmackDown, that the somebody on Raw is going to win it for the women. So then that means, in my theory, a SmackDown guy has to win. So I originally thought I was going to be Miz, but Miz fucking took the briefcase down, so he can't win now. And I really don't think Samoa mm-hmm. Joe's going to win. Because also, like, he just doesn't fucking need it. Like, he's just to have him fucking go kill whoever has the title. Yeah. And then Rusev. There's no way they're giving it to Rusev. So then it's New Day. So, I don't know. I'm probably going to be totally wrong, but, like... Sure. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. Give it to me, Kofi Kingston. Like, please. <laughs> I'm sticking with Owens. Come on. King Kofi, damn it. I want to I wanna see that story so bad. All right, women's money in the bank. No, no, come on, you want to see King Kofi? Uh, It'd be so good. You know you do. No, (laughs) Uh, Ember Moon, Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, and Sasha Banks. I'm going with my Irish last kicker on this one, Becky Lynch. Going with Bay. Man, Becky is Bay. Man, Becky is so good. I love Becky. It makes me so sad to like not pick Becky. This year, because I wish that she, I wish that she could get things, but she just always, for some reason, has to never win. Even though, you know what? Ugh. She fucking tapped out Charlotte. Like, if Oscar <laughs> was getting the title, Becky should be like number one in line, being like, "Bitch, I tapped out the bitch who tapped you out." So give me a match. <laughs> SummerSlam, Becky versus Oscar. Book it. Anyway, in the meantime, who's winning Women's and Money in the Bank? I'll tell you, Joe. It's not Becky Lynch, unfortunately. But it's going to be Alexa Bliss. Okay. Well, the way you were setting that up, I thought you were going to go with, like, one of the random ones and say, like, Lana or something. So I'm okay (laughs) with Alexa Bliss. No, no, definitely not Lana. I'm going to go with, and then dramatic pause. I don't know. I have to think about this for one more minute because I'm split between two. It's either Alexa Bliss or Natalia. Because Natalia could use it as like part of a heel turn to like start a feud with Ronda Rousey. Like you could do that. Hmm. They might not be able to resist doing that shit. You know what? I'm gonna go Natalia. Even though, oh, oh fuck, Natalia just tapped out Alexa Bliss on Raw though this week. So that that should tell you definitely that Alexa Bliss is winning, right? I I don't know. Well, because if Natalia won, like, the winners always lose the pay-per-view, right? Like, that's... 
WWE booking 101. Yeah. Mm. Because, yeah, like, Bliss would be the perfect kind of person to give this to. Like, she could sit on it for a long time and be, like, taunting about, like, oh, when am I going to cash this shit in? And Natalia could just fucking turn on Ronda Rousey for whatever reason. Like, I don't... Yep. Bliss. All right, great. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. I am so tired. Oh, you just... All right, gotcha, gotcha. I thought you were just, uh, like, very passive, like, yeah, whatever, just pick whoever's going to lose, because Becky Lynch is taking this one, bitch. Yeah, sure, write my promise for me there. <laughs> Man, hey, we got six six matches we're different on here. Yeah. Through the weekend. That's Holy probably shit. the most different, right? Yeah, this has definitely got to be up there, because... Yeah. Yes, yeah, so uh, Ricochet so, versus Dream, Gargano versus Champa, Rollins versus Elias, Rousey versus Nia, and then both of the Money in the Bank matches. Nice. All right, so like I said, that's going to do it for us this week. Yep. Uh, look out for Alt Raw that has been, I have to admit, mainly been done by Newman for the past <laughs> couple weeks because I'm in the middle of buying a condo. Um, and uh, yeah, look for uh, our social media and yeah, Alt Raw. Yeah, and check absolutely. us out our recaps of everything next week. Yeah, check out all that shit. Uh, check out Money of the Bank and NXT Chicago when they come on this weekend. And uh, if you have not seen it, do yourself the favor of watching the main event of Dominion, if not the entire fucking show. Definitely. All right, see you next week. Peace.